Welcome to Career Tools. This week, verbally communicating difficult ideas. The questions this class answers are, how do I communicate a difficult idea? What techniques make communicating difficult things easier? And how do I use those techniques to make communicating difficult things easier? Our next three-day conference event is scheduled for June 11th through 13th in Chicago. That is to say, we'll be holding our Effective Hiring Manager Conference, as well as our Effective Manager and Effective Communicator Conferences there. These events, the EHMC that is, are rare. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training to guarantee yourself a seat. So if anybody has any illusions that communicating is easy, they just have to think of the relationships they have with the people that are closest to them. And think about the last 24 hours and how often you've communicated something that wasn't quite what you intended or the person heard it quite differently to what you intended. Communicating is hard. It's hard to get ideas out of your head and into someone else's in the same form that they left your head. And if you have to communicate ideas at work that are complex or um, complicated, those two things being slightly different, and the person maybe doesn't have the same background, they don't have the same experience, they don't didn't hear the beginning of the story, whatever, that just makes things even harder. And what happens when we are struggling to communicate, often we, we resort to what we do when we're uh, abroad, and you just say the same words, but slower and louder. And of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work any better than if you're a Uh, An American in Italy, it doesn't help saying the same words louder any more than it helps when you're at work and you're trying to describe the structure of a chip to someone who's never seen one. It's talking louder and slower. doesn't work either. Or using smaller words doesn't work. So we need some different techniques, something that might actually work to communicate complex ideas. And so in this cast, we're going to talk about four different ones, Uh, There are more. These are just the four that I use most often. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start with those and we'll probably start uh, talk about others in other casts. But we're going to start with some that you can use in a lot of situations. Uh, They won't work for everything, but um, hopefully we're giving you something that you can use immediately and use quite often. Absolutely. We're going to talk about how to use comparison, how to use analogy, how to simplify and also how to use a diagram, all of these being techniques that we can use to communicate complex things to the other people around us. Our first topic is to use comparison, right? And because I feel like a lot of people do this already. It's a it's something they might be already leveraging. And comparison's an easy way to convey the magnitude of something, right? Um Mark's definition, for example, of work-life balance is the comparison of a peanut M&M to the sun, right? And and so we say to ourselves, oh, I I can see that these are two disparate things. And so obviously they're they're a little different. Life, family, health, those personal things are way more important than work. They're they're the sun compared to the work peanut M&M. And once you've come to grips with the comparison, once you've heard it and kind of thought about it for a second— the motto family first makes more sense. You're more able to understand how often you might choose family over work when you think about the sun versus the peanut M&M, which is 
why we make that analogy, right? Comparison. And um, we often see comparisons used to convey physical size too. This one's one of my favorites, actually. The Texas is as big as France and Switzerland and the panhandle of Texas would also cover London. Which nobody imagines. No, they don't. You could drive for an entire day and still be in Texas. There's a TV show called The Last Man on Earth. And in it, they're in Oklahoma in an episode and they're going to Tucson and they get in the car and the next sign you see is Tucson, 200 miles. They've essentially just skipped Texas. It's so big. They thought, we don't need people to be driving over Texas in this show. So we're just going to pretend it doesn't geographically exist. Like It's an entire episode that you just missed. They've decided Texas is too big. We don't want to have it here. Right? It's It's so big. I mean, it's hard to imagine. There's other things like that too, right? Comparisons. Um, Amazon warehouse workers walk 13 miles a day picking up packages. 13 miles. That's a lot. That's a half a marathon, isn't it? Oh, it is. a half marathon, 13 miles? Not that I would know. I think it is. I think it's 13.1 for those marathon people, those high C marathon people out there. Um, It is. It's very close to half a mile. This works on the small scale as well. IBM's five nanometer uh, architecture puts 30 billion transistors in a space that's the size of your fingernail. Some of these parts are seven nanometers wide, which is one one thousandth the size of a blood cell. It's amazing, isn't it? If somebody said, imagine seven nanometers, you'd be like, not a Scooby. No idea at all. But I can sort of imagine how big a blood cell is. Like I can think of a cell, I can think of a slide for a microscope, you know, that has blood cells on it when you kind of see it on TV or whatever. And then I can imagine, okay, one one thousandth of the size that I would see through a microscope is still impossible to imagine, but at least you're closer than having no clue. Weather's a good one too, right? Yeah, when weather people want you to know how cold it is this year, they often say it's the coldest day on record since. Right? It was the coldest day since 1974 or 1963 or whatever. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it yesterday. There's probably an app out there for this. But what I was thinking is I'd really like to be able to have an app that compared the weather where I am to the weather where I'm going. Oh, that would be nice. If it's 75 in Austin and I'm going to Kentucky and it's 10 degrees colder, but the humidity is really different, like what I'd like to see is next to each other. Like, hey, I'm here and I'm going here. What's it going to feel like? Yeah. I am sure there is an app where you can put in where you're going and it tells you what clothes to wear. There definitely is. That, I mean, that's like, it's getting there, right? <laughs> right. I just don't, I don't think I have any of those clothes. <laughs> um, I just think, that comparison is so easy for us, right? It's kind of the thing where it says like, feels like 72. Like it's 69, but it feels like 72. But that's local. I'd love to have it for another place, right? Because people, when they're packing for vacation or you're packing to go for a work trip or something, you can't tell if 64 in Chicago is much different than 66 in Texas. Yeah. I would love that. Okay, so everybody email Kate, customer service at manager tools if you know that app. Yeah. <laughs> so comparing one thing to another is is another way you can use comparison. So um, often if you're looking at sales figures, um, you get year-on-year comparison. So by this time last year, we had sold 4 million of whatever it is. 
uh, and now we've only sold 3.4. Now we know we're in trouble because we know what the comparison is between the same amount of work, right? At the same time period, uh, we know what two different numbers are. Um, sometimes they do uh, multiplication. So, for example, this year we had three times as many sales to hospitals as last year. And again, because the time period is the same, well, you would have to do year to date and then in the uh, from last year, from January to, what is it, 23rd of April. So the time periods have to be the same in order for you to compare, but being able to compare gives you some idea of how well you're doing. Yeah. This is all probably driving the high seas crazy because we're saying comparisons for things that are pretty loose. Um, red blood cells vary in size, so you can't, of course, use them as a comparison. And high seas, this isn't for you guys. It's not for your understanding is the way I should say that. If you're speaking to someone else who understands the details, what you're doing or trying to do, you can be really specific. These techniques, though, are for conveying information to people who don't understand, for whom you need to say what you're saying in a different way. Essentially, it's a scale for people because if someone has no understanding, then they need a scale. They need to be able to limit their thoughts to the right arena. And they're starting at the whole world as a possibility of what they're imagining. You have to narrow that for them. And that's what this is doing. That's what the comparison is doing. It's narrowing their focus to at least the right scope and scale by using a comparison. So we realize that red blisters are all different and you know, all your fingernails are different sizes. We got you guys. We're, we hear you screaming in the background. We do. Yeah. You're just trying to get people into the people who have no clue into the same headspace as you are, because that's how you can communicate an idea across. Yeah. They're thinking about Texas and you're thinking about France. Yeah. Oh, you're talking, you're thinking about Switzerland and they're, they're thinking about Switzerland that you can drive across in an afternoon and Texas that you can't drive across in a day. It's a big right. difference. We're just bringing ourselves closer. So we've talked about comparison. We can also use analogy to do this. And analogy is also a type of comparison and you can use it for size. It can also be used more widely though. For example, on computers, running Windows, you need to defrag your hard drive occasionally. And in the maintenance of file systems, systems, defragmentation is a process that reduces the amount of fragmentation. <laughs> it does this by physically organizing the contents of the mass storage device used to store files into the smallest number of contiguous regions and fragments. That's what I told my mother. You need to defrag your hard drive. And she said, what? And I said, well, it's it's like that you take the fragmentations and you put them together. And she still looked at me like I was an idiot. So I I came up with an, an analogy, which is hard to say. Um, so if you imagine a bookcase on which you've been adding and taking away books, you've been putting them away, then you've found another one, you've lent it to your friend, you've put down some papers, you've put your coffee cup there, um, you propped a photo up there that you saw and you you haven't dusted and it's all a bit of a mess right uh, the bookcase of something on every shelf and it's all higgledy-biggledy books mixed with papers mixed with photos mixed with dust and apparently the word higgledy-piggledy comes from herding pigs which is about as difficult as herding cats which is another analogy so defragging 
is like tidying up the bookcase, taking the coffee cup back to the kitchen, lining the books up nicely, putting the photo in the frame, pacing it carefully, and dusting all the shelves. And when you do that, you often find you have a bunch of space on one of the shelves, or maybe an entirely empty shelf, but you couldn't see it because it was all broken up. It was small pieces of space between all the things that you put on the shelves. And so what you've done is you've put everything neatly in there. You can see the the actual size of the space because it's all in one shelf. And that's what defragging your hard drive does. It takes all the pieces, it tidies them up, and that leaves you with all of the space in one place. And therefore you can see how big the space space is, and then your computer runs more quickly. So you don't have to understand how a computer stores information or exactly um, how these pieces get fragmented or why they get fragmented or why they get messy other than to understand that that happens to the things in our house too. You know, it happens every, everywhere. If you look at your desk right now, if you look at your car, there's stuff in there that shouldn't be there or isn't neat and tidy. And when you tidy it up, you find space and that's what happens to your computer. And so these kind of analogies are really helpful when someone really doesn't have a clue what you're talking about and also if it's unlikely that they will understand the explanation the technical explanation right I am not going to explain to my mother how a computer disk stores information or why it gets fragmented and all that stuff right because (laughs) it's a waste of breath really she doesn't need to know she doesn't want to know and it won't help her to know But what it will help her to understand is why she's doing this thing that I've told her to do. So if you are going to use an analogy, uh, just try and use something that everybody knows. So you can use cooking often works, cars on a freeway, going to a bank and and standing in line, um, using Facebook, getting dressed or, you know, all the things that we all do, uh, very everyday things that the closer you can get the analogy, the the thing you're comparing to, uh, to that person's own experience, the better the analogy works and the quicker they'll understand what it is you're trying to uh, convey to them or what, what it is you're trying to get them to understand. Recent statistics reveal that the number of remote workers in America has shot up 115% in the past decade. Our bet is that if you're a manager, no matter what rung on the management ladder you are, you have remote workers. Learn how to use our tools to help you build and keep the relationships with the team that you don't see every day. Getting results for your organization and retaining the right people doesn't magically happen unless you engage in the right managerial behaviors. Not quite sure what those are? Let us bring our effective manager training to your organization We'll work with up to 30 attendees for a fat $15,000 fee. Don't let remote equal ineffectiveness. It doesn't have to be. Contact Maggie at maggie at manager-tools.com for more detailed information. Our discussion is going to continue to frustrate the high seas because our next recommendation is to simplify and high seas like to be accurate. However, a lot of the time people don't really need the kind of detail that you know that you're aware of in order to understand the situation or to make a decision. If I want Judy to book me a flight, I don't need to know all the airlines she tried or any of the solutions that won't work. I don't need to know that, you know, Delta has fewer stops in that route and American has 
later in the day times. I, I don't I don't need to know that. I don't need to know exactly what time I leave or or get there or how many minutes I'll be in the flight, be on the plane. What I need is something that simplifies that. And so you have three choices. Leave at eight, arrive at two, leave at nine, arrive at three, or leave at 10 and arrive at five, right? The 9 a.m. flight might actually be 9.07, but I don't really need to know that. It's okay. It's fine. And it's kind of seven minutes one way. As long as it's, you know, as long as it's, I'm aware of it later, I can make a decision. The difference between eight, nine, and 10 is what you need to know, not 803, 907, and 1005, right? Right. And that level of information is helpful for me to decide. Whereas the other stuff, that stuff is background, right? That's why we ask for help. Because if I was the person doing all the background work, then I wouldn't need someone to tell me what to choose between. (laughs) So this works. Simplification works a little bit. It also, it doesn't prevent you from needing to tailor your communication too. So if you have someone who you're speaking with who really likes all the details and doesn't feel comfortable with 8, 9, and 10, and they want to know 803, 907, 1004, you need to be aware of that probably in order to help them understand, especially if they're the one deciding. It's kind of like when people say, just ballpark it, Mm -hmm. right? I said this at the the veterinarian actually the other day. I said, said, how much is that going to be, right? Because a lot of times when we're discussing things like this, it's in currency or numbers or things like that. And I said, how much? And she said, well, I don't really know. And I said, well, are we talking $500, $1,000, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood, $50, just something. Um, it's that idea, ballpark it for me. When we're looking at numbers, they really don't always need to be down to the penny. You know, if the revenue this year was $154,115.83, Eighty-three cents is small enough to be almost irrelevant. <laughs> um, one hundred and fifty-four thousand, and you're doing, and you're sending money to the tax man. Then, yeah, the, the IRS prefer you to be more specific. But a lot of the times, you know, if you were buying a service and somebody says, you know, well, how big is your company? They don't need to know those eighty-three cents, and actually, probably the hundred and fifteen dollars, right? Roughly one hundred and fifty-five thousand is enough for them to get an idea of how big your company is. And like, it's not millions, but it's not tens of thousands. It's a, probably a small or medium-sized business is what we would describe it as. But it kind of allows somebody to put it into a category because they know enough. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the simplification, right? It's in the same way that veterinary bills being ballparked tells me whether or not I need to save up for that or I could do it this month, right? It allows us to compare it to other things um, just through the simplification. Another place where this is, where we find this that's interesting to me is that resumes often have an issue where they're over-detailed. And this is why we coined the phrase, the headline, not the story. Um, something like developed report that accurately identified baseline performance of higher cost, value-added products used to support sales growth, through shared learning, contributed to increased sales of premium concrete products by 550% from 2016 to 2018. Which is like four lines on a resume. Oh my gosh, yeah. Can really be simplified to increase sales by 550% 16 to 18 by developed improved reporting. It's an overview, which is helpful, especially on resumes where where space is at a premium. 
a hiring manager doesn't have all the details and it's still an impressive result. In order to get the how, the hiring manager would have to interview. And if you say too much, the hiring manager then maybe has a reason not to interview you. So a simplification might be, you know, a way to be intriguing, right? It's like, oh, how? And of course, describing how is part of the behavioral part of the interview, which is great. It gives you something to talk about. If you tell the hiring manager everything on your resume, you give them reasons to say no. Now, that doesn't mean that your resume should be like half a page and barely anything. But if you think that first part that Kate read was four lines on a resume, and you could make that one line and have three more accomplishments and make it look, because it's true, that you have four accomplishments that were really good in that job, and you've changed their view of you, right? Instead of having one accomplishment, you now have four. And now the hiring manager is like, I want to know how you did that because I want you to come to my job and do that. And the only way he can find that out or she can find that out is by interviewing you. I think it's something missed. People think, oh, I'll tell them everything. You don't have to tell them everything. You have to tell them enough. And I guess that's different to simplification. Simplification is about communication. It's about making the example or whatever you're using sort of at the right level for someone to understand it. But also when you're communicating information, you have to think what is enough for that person to make the decision without being too much or too little. And often people go to too much on their resumes. Our last topic is to use an image. You've all probably heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. And if you haven't, what it really means is you could write a thousand words, which is just shy of the length of a podcast, and convey the same information as an image does simply by existing. You could draw a diagram. You don't need a perfect diagram and you don't even need a finished one. In fact, when you're working with someone to explain something, drawing in front of them as you explain helps them understand how the system is built up. This is why flowcharts exist, right? I mean, I just built a bunch of these recently, um, documenting processes. You don't really need to be great at drawing, right? If someone sees you draw a cross symbol and you say, that's Jim, and you write Jim's name above it, it doesn't matter that the matchstick person is missing a head. They realize that that symbol means Jim. It can be simplified drawings. Another way that you could use an image, which is pretty prolific nowadays, is just to take a photo. I imagine that a large percentage of people's time is used using their smartphone to take a picture. Yeah, I did that in Asda yesterday, uh, not Asda, Walmart yesterday. I wanted to buy something that didn't have a price label or a barcode on, on the actual thing, but mm-hmm. the, but it was on the label on the shelf. So I put took a picture of the label on the shelf. And when I got to the checkout and she went, oh, this doesn't have a barcode. I went, no, here, this is what it says on the shelf. Can you use that? And she did. She she took my phone and she put the barcode in, you know, she typed it in from my phone. And magically, I got my things without having to wait for someone to go look at the shelf. And, you know, that always takes forever. And I felt very smart that I thought to do that. Yeah, I think that's like a life hack you just shared with everybody. I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea. The easiest way to show someone something that they're looking for is to show them a photo. Right? right. If you're sending your husband to the to the grocery store and you want X, like go on the internet, Google X, print the picture out, give it to them. Yes. <laughs> it works really well. This is why online shopping has images. 
Yes. Because, you know, I tried to buy something. My mom had this really good, like, noodle thing from HEB, but it's prepackaged. And I don't go to the grocery store anymore. I have a delivery service. And one of the many great things about living in Austin. And they have pictures. And so I typed into the thing, noodles, noodle bowl or something. And I could see the picture. Otherwise, I didn't remember the brand. I didn't remember the type. There was no way without a picture I would be able to find it. There just wasn't. I mean, this is other stuff, right? If you do, you want to send someone, um, you know, you need an address. Okay, so you have the address scribbled down. All right, well then, just take a photo of it. Um, I just did this the other day with our internet box. If you're having trouble with your Wi-Fi and you always have to log back in, just take a picture of the label that tells you. <laughs> Right? I mean, yeah. don't keep going back and forth to the box. If you're in a meeting and you want to record everything that was on the flip charts, you can take photos of them and, and post them to the folder or send them to everybody. It's fast. It's easy. It works great. You're saying about the Wi-Fi box reminded me of another use, which is if you have something where the serial number printed on it is too small, Apple, this is you, <laughs> uh, then take a picture and then you can blow up the picture and you can read the serial number. Some guy in the Apple store did that in front of me, and I was like, oh, my God, that's the cleverest thing I've seen in a week. The great thing is, too, if you blow it up, you can just take a screenshot of the blow-up version. So much easier. You can use images to help with choices as well. Sometimes in hospitals, doctors give patients a series of emoticon smiley faces, kind of. I mean, some of them are not smiling. So you pick a face. And that tells the doctor how much pain you're in, which is great. That's really helpful. I think, too, I think it's really good for little ones, little kids. You can use a timeline to show changes or increases of something over time, which is another image version of something that's happening. Mind maps are another kind of image that's really often helpful. We have this on the website. We have the map of, and also in the app, we have the map of the universe so that you can navigate through the podcast because if there's a lot of information out there, sorting it by topic can help you get to something that's related or you could find something that's extra helpful, right? If you search for, for example, communication, you'll get this cast, but you'll also get a bunch of other casts that you might be interested in. And it's laid out in a way where you can see all the branches and things that are happening so that you can kind of navigate because it's a lot, actually. There's so many podcasts. Images are really helpful. Again, if you're drawing something, if you're drawing a mind map, if you're drawing a timeline, if you're drawing a graph that sort of represents, like, like it's close to representing the numbers, none of it needs to be exact. It just needs to be enough to communicate what you're trying to communicate. Um, and I think a lot of the time we try and be too precise and that makes the communication more difficult. That whole point of... Uh, well, we called this cast communicating difficult things and difficult things by definition have a lot of elements. But if you wind back, if you think what actually out of all of the stuff that I know that I want to tell this person, which pieces are the most important, you're much more likely to get your message across because it's not confused by all the other stuff. Uh, and if you go faster and more roughly than you want to, you probably will get the message across in a much shorter time than if you tried to explain all the background and all of the details. So if the words you're using aren't working and it's not working to talk slower and louder like you do 
when you're abroad. Try one of these techniques and see if they work better. If you're looking for a comparison or an analogy or a simplification or an image to convey something and you can't find something, come to the forums. There's a ton of smart, ma smart managers on our website on the forums who will be able to help you come up with something that is a good way to describe whatever it is you're trying to get across. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with more guidance.